I started a new series of preaching and the Lord willing uh, I will get through I don't know either the Lord comes before or he's going to take me before I don't know but I want to preach on Christ in the book of Acts Christ in the book of Acts so it's not only the Acts of the Apostles that's what we learn sometimes but it's the Acts Jesus did through the Apostles hallelujah and therefore I'm going to read from Acts chapter 3 the verses 1 to 10 okay the healing of the lame beggar now Peter and John were going up to the temple at the ninth hour the hour of prayer and a man who had been lame from his mother's womb was being carried along whom they used to set down every day at the gate of the temple which is called beautiful in order to beg arms of those who were entering the temple when he saw Peter and John about to go into the temple he began asking to receive arms but Peter along with John fixed his gaze on him and said look at us and he began to give them his attention expecting to receive something from them but Peter said I do not possess silver and gold but what I have I give to you in the name of Jesus the Nazarene walk and seizing him by the right hand he raised him up and immediately his feet and his ankle were strengthened with a leap he stood upright and began to walk and he entered the temple with them walking and leaping and praising God amen hallelujah and a wonderful thing what I see here at, at, uh, with this man when he got healed he didn't go home and say oh it's wonderful he went to the place where he had to go and where is this the best to go he went into the temple and joined Peter and John in that prayer time amen hallelujah that's so good now Pentecost I spoke a few weeks about Pentecost Pentecost was not only a wonderful experience it was more than that it was the outpouring of the Holy Spirit the enabling or enabled the disciples to act and do through the Holy Spirit what they did and here we see also the outworking of the Holy Spirit Peter and John experienced here at the gate they're beautiful now we see the Holy Spirit is actually the other comforter that means Jesus was a comforter and the Lord Jesus said very clearly in John 14 verse 16 I will ask the Father and he will give you another comforter 
that he may be with you forever. So Jesus was a comforter. And when it says the other, that's the second comforter, yes? The other. Now the book of Acts is not just to say what the apostle did. It's a report of what Jesus was doing through the apostle. Hallelujah. And that's important to understand. Now, uh, Dr. Luke, he told it once in Acts 1.1. The first account I imposed, I, I composed, Theophilus, about all that Jesus began to do and teach. His first account was, was the Gospel of Luke. And he said, now I want to continue the second account. All the things Jesus was doing and Jesus was teaching. And we see here two disciples, two apostles together, Peter and John. When Jesus was still on the earth, we see Jesus always sent two and two of his, of his um, disciples out in order to go and prepare the place where he was going to preach the gospel. Now, when Jesus was still there, formerly it was James and John together. And now we see Peter and John together. Something happened what perhaps caused one of these two disciples to join up together. Now we see, before it was uh, James and Peter, uh, James and John, and Luke 9, uh, 54, it says, When his disciples, James and John, saw this, he said, Lord, do you want us to command fire to come down from heaven and consume them? Now I have to say a little bit, you know, it was a story. Jesus was planning to go through Samaria to Jerusalem. And uh, these uh, people, the Samaritans, didn't want to receive Jesus. And James and John, somehow, they got angry. So, Lord, if you want, do you want us to do that? They be sent and bring fire from heaven and consume them. And we know the story what Jesus said. Remember what kind of spirit you are. It's not the Spirit of God this way, he says, in other words. The Son of Man has not come to destroy, but to save. Hallelujah. And that's important to understand what Jesus came for, to save. And we see very clearly, it looked like that after uh, Peter had actually denied Jesus three times, that somehow Peter and John got together. John has always been called the apostle Jesus loved and probably was the youngest amongst all the apostles. And he, he is the youngest apostle and he joined up with Peter because they had a wonderful experience, the infilling of the Holy Spirit. Hallelujah. You remember what happened at Pentecost? And that was still burning in their heart. Hallelujah. Now, and we see here that these two 
apostles were together now, Peter and John. And it's interesting that the younger apostle perhaps joined the older one in order perhaps to strengthen him. We know how down Peter was when he denied the Lord. We know that. And now at Pentecost, his life was changed and he preached very boldly about Jesus Christ at Pentecost. Now, two together are always stronger. And that was Jesus' principle when he sent his disciples out. But in Ecclesiastes it says, chapter 4, verse 9 to 10, two are better than one because they have good return for their labor. For if either of them falls, the one will lift up his companion. But woe to him, woe to him, to one who falls. And if there is no one to lift him up, and that shows me something, we need each other. We need each other. And that's so important. Fellowship is so good. Some people say, well, you don't need to go to church. You can also believe in Jesus without going to church. There is definitely something wrong. Isn't it wonderful that we can come together and if somebody is really down, we go to him and strengthen him. And that was also for me as a young pastor a very important step. There I learned what it means to be an elder. An elder is not a policeman in the church. And I read it and learned it from Revelation. Who is worthy to take or to break the seal? And John was crying. Nobody was found. And then one of the elder, he laid his hand on his shoulder and said, don't cry, don't cry. These are elders for me who say, brother or sister, don't cry. Behold, the Lion of Judah has overcome. Hallelujah. Comforting, lifting up each other, and it's wonderful. And I experienced it here in this church very clearly. When I was laying down, I think almost everybody was praying for me. The Lord will restore me. Thank you very much, brothers and sisters. And I'm here through the grace of God. Hallelujah. Because you were praying for me. You were lifting me up before the Lord. And that's so wonderful. And I thank the Lord for every one of you. Hallelujah. God bless you. The church in Antioch had the same principle, and we read there in Acts chapter 13, verse 2. While they were ministering to the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, Set apart for me Barnabas and Barnabas and Saul, it says there. His name Paul became later on, Paul. 
Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I have called them. It was here again, two and two. Pentecost was not a substitute for the importance of prayer. That's what Peter and John realized. Oh, well, we were so filled with the Holy Spirit. They spoke in other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. Oh, it was so wonderful, wonderful. But they didn't miss the hour of prayer. They didn't say, now we are so wonderfully filled with the Holy Spirit. We feel all good. No. There came the hour of prayer. And Peter and John, and it's good that they realized the filling of Pentecost, the filling of the Holy Spirit doesn't or is not a substitute for prayer. The more you are filled with the Holy Spirit, the more you have a desire for prayer. Hallelujah. That's so important. That's why I'm inviting you to come for Friday night. We're going to pray on Friday night. If you never have been there, make it an effort for you and say, I want to be there. And I always said it before. I'm not a pastor here for two years only. For many, many years. It's better to be in a prayer-conditioned church than in an air-conditioned church. You know that, yes? A prayer-conditioned church, there is fire, hallelujah. There is something going on. Jesus is going to be revealed in that church, hallelujah. Now they realize we need prayer as well. And it says here very clearly, now Peter and John were going up to the temple in the ninth hour, the hour of prayer. There was a certain set time for prayer. And very interesting, even Jesus, and he was full of the Spirit of God. He was God himself. And he needed prayer. How much do we need prayer? Prayer, is that right? And we read it oft that Jesus often went after a busy day in, on, into the mountains for prayer. And the whole night he prayed. And that's hard, I tell you what. Praying a whole night is very, very hard. I don't know whether you have done it once. I've done it a few times with a brother in Ostfriesland in Germany. You know, we met on a Friday night and then we were praying through the whole night. You need to have something to pray for. And we were praying in the church in a little room and Ella could hear us because we had a little um, flat in the back of the church and she could hear us when we were praying. It was wonderful. And that's what Jesus did. He prayed a whole night through. And he spoke all the things during the day through with the Father. And he came and he was not tired. He didn't come this way. To the apostles. What do you say? I didn't get it. No, he was fresh in the Holy Spirit. And he came and could do his work the Lord told him. Do you remember my brothers from Germany and Switzerland who were here a few months ago? Do you remember the Swiss brother? He was together with me also 
in a, uh, in a room. We were with four people together in a room. And he and I, we decided to have a time of prayer. Of course, we had prayer time every night in Bible college. But we said, we're going to make an extra effort. And he and I, we woke up, went down into the classroom and started to read the Bible. I remember I read then the book from... Uh, uh, Abide in Jesus. Who was it again? From Murray. Yes. Andrew Murray. Abide in Jesus. And that's what I wanted. I wanted to abide in Jesus. I had a desire to uh, seek the Lord in prayer. And he too, we had a time of prayer. And then we went out and had a walk. Yeah, or actually jogging. We were jogging in a little forest next the Bible college we came back for breakfast we were fresh and all the others came you know rubbing their eyes yawning their head off and we were fresh through the spirit of God and so we experienced wonderful things where the Lord uh, showed us in our heart time of prayer was for Jesus important the time of prayer is for us important too. Hallelujah. Now we read here there was a man who was lame from his mother's womb and he was always being carried every day to this wonderful gate, the beautiful gate. Now the temple had altogether ten gates and uh, there were many gates to enter through. But they put him here at a, at a beautiful gate and he expected perhaps to get something. And they knew that the Pharisees liked to give alms. They liked to do, to do that. But especially there where they were seen to do it. You know, they went to the beautiful gate and the Pharisees, they gave alms as well. And then when they gave some, everybody saw it. And that's what they wanted. And that's why he went there. Now, as I said, Peter and John came here through the beautiful gate or wanted to go through. And prayer is not a time of a wasteful time. It's a time that's very productive in our life. You remember Peter? Whilst he was praying on the rooftop of Simon the tenor's house, there he was praying at the ninth hour. It was actually lunchtime. That's why he got hungry. It was lunchtime. And he was praying, and we know that's where the Lord gave him an extension of his ministry. Because usually he was... Um, by the Lord put for Israel his ministry unto the house of Israel. And Paul was the one who was going out to the Gentiles. But he was his ministry was extended to the Gentiles. And we read there, And the next day, as they were on their way, and approaching the city, Peter went up to the rooftop 
about the sixth hour, as I said, it was lunchtime. And God opened here while he was praying for him a door to minister amongst the Gentiles. And we, just, we know the story. He was waiting for these people because the Lord showed him something and said, what I have cleansed, don't you call it unclean. And then the Lord prepared him in this vision he had from heaven. His heart was prepared for the ministry. Now this man, this layman, he came and he was there at the door, the beautiful, and he received more than he would think. He received a permanent gift from God. Hallelujah. Unlike Lazarus, we know the story too. In Luke 16, verse 20, 21. And a poor man named Lazarus was laid at a gate covered with sores and longing to be fed with the crumbs which were falling from this rich man's table. And beside, even the dogs were coming and licking his sores. So he was waiting to, to get something. Did he get something? No, he died. Perhaps not only from a sickness he had, perhaps also he hungered and was dying of hunger. No, breadcrumbs to feed on them is really, really little bit only. It's not enough. Now when Peter saw him and John, when he saw him, that they were going into the temple and then he began begging. So a bad news. He was hoping to get something wonderful. But then Peter, he said, look at us. And he was now waiting to receive something. I do not possess silver and gold. A typical Pentecostal pastor. Typical Pentecostal pastor. Silver and gold I do not possess. But I have something and what I have I give to you. Hallelujah. Do you have something? I'm not talking about material things, about silver and gold. Do you have something to give? Do you have something to give? You can only give if you receive something from the Lord. And that's why when I praise Lord, give me something to feed your people. Give me from you something, Lord. And when the Lord gives me something, I want to feed you. And that's what the Lord gave me here. And he said, in the name of Jesus, the Nazarene, walk. And he rose up. Peter reached down his hand and he grabbed him and he stood up. And the Bible says, and his feet and ankles 
were strengthened. So all of a sudden he could do something he never was able to do. And he rose up. <clears throat> I heard of a story of a monk and he went to Rome to visit his father. You know who the father is of the Catholics. It's his so-called holy father. He isn't holy, neither is he a father. He is not allowed to be a father, according to Catholics' belief. Now, he went there, and it was important for every monk to go there to, to see the Vatican. And there was a guy who led him through the Vatican, showed him all the wonderful things, you know. Tetzel got together. You know who Tetzel was? Tetzel was the one who went to Europe and uh, when the Peter's Dome was to be built, they needed money. And Tetzel went through the uh, lands of Europe and he sold, what do you call it again? Yeah, indulgences. He sold them. And uh, so he said, well, as soon as the money comes into my box, the soul that is in perjury, will jump out of there into heaven. And perhaps he sold many of these. And uh, Peter's Dome in Rome. Don't go there and admire this thing. It's been paid from the souls who went to hell. That's been paid from. And this guy showed him everything. He showed him all the silver and gold. And then this poor monk, he was astounded. He never has seen so much money, so much silver and gold in one heap. And then this guy says, well, we don't have to say, like Peter, silver and gold, we have none. But this monk was alert. And he said, neither can you say, in the name of Jesus, walk. That's true. And we see something, the name of Jesus, so powerful. Now, Peter said it. The Pope, or all these uh, people in the Vatican, with all the gold, he said, you can't do, you can't say this either. Who can say it? Who can say it? In the name of Jesus, walk, arise. Who can say it? You want to know? You want to know? I'm going to tell you soon. I see here Amen. How many persons did you see in front of this gate? Who was there? Peter, John, and the layman. But here was a fourth man too. Here was a fourth man too. A fourth person. Who is this? 
Jesus, hallelujah. Jesus. And this fourth man, back in Daniel, was walking with these three Jewish men, Sadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And the king went down and looked into this oven. And he said, well, didn't you put three in there? But I see four. Whom did he saw, saw there? Yes, and the fourth man looks like a son of the gods because he was a polytheist. He didn't know the biblical trinity. He says, and the fourth looks like a son of gods. No, it was not a son of God. It was a son of God. Do you understand that difference there? It was the Son of God who was then there. And he is the same fourth person who was here now in this congregation together. Jesus Christ. And Second Timothy. And oh, sometimes it's very quickly expressed in the name of Jesus. And some think you have to pronounce it in a special way to make it more powerful. No, no, no. If you want to act in the name of Jesus like Peter and John did, there's something important. 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 19. Nevertheless, the firm foundation of God stands. Having this seal, first of all, the Lord knows those who are His. Hallelujah. Does the Lord know you? Or, or do you know the Lord? But the stand is this here, and it says, this is a firm stand. The Lord knows those who are His. And everyone who names the name of the Lord is to abstain from what? From unrighteousness, wickedness. The German Bible says unrighteousness. If you want to act in the name of Jesus, abstain from all sorts of unrighteousness. Abstain from that. And you will see the name, the fourth man, is working in you too. Hallelujah. I give what I have. No silver, no gold, but in the name of Jesus from Nazareth, rise up, O walk. Hallelujah. And his feet were strengthened and his ankles were strengthened and he went with them into the temple. Hallelujah. The fourth man, fourth person in who is it? Jesus. Hallelujah. And I, I remember I went to Sunday school. Andrew, my friend, you're going to Sunday school too, yes? So I went to Sunday school too. And every Sunday after Sunday school, we got a little leaflet. And they had something very interesting. 
somebody made himself some thoughts. Okay, for instance, we had so-called search pictures. Yes, in German we call it Suchbild. Yes, and th there was a picture, and you should look for something. Can you find it? This was a situation like that as well. I found in this search picture in front of the beautiful gate, I found somebody else, and that is Jesus. That's the same Jesus who is living within you and with me, within me. Hallelujah. And how can we say in the name of Jesus walk? Everyone who names the name of the Lord must abstain from every evil or from iniquity. Hallelujah. You wonder yourself why? Don't we have so many miracles as this book in excess? Why? Do we not pronounce the name of Jesus real powerful? No. No. It's abstain from iniquity or unrighteousness as it says in the German Bible. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Heavenly Father, I thank you for this morning. Your word is so powerful, O oh Lord, I thank you. What we read now about Peter and John, how wonderfully you used them, Lord. And this man got healed, and he jumped into the temple. He was rejoicing. He was rejoicing. Hallelujah. And Father, I thank you that you will also do this with your people and in your people's life. I thank you. Hallelujah. In the name of Jesus, I pray. Hallelujah.